Welcome to Grateful Scripts, and I'm your host, Lindsay Paulson. Join us as we dive in each week to talk healing, adulting, and resources for trauma, life, and just showing up for one another. Together, we are going to learn everything our parents forgot to teach us in a community of grace and humility. Grab the coziest blanket you have, some snacks, snuggle up, and be ready to digest the best script that anyone can prescribe. This is The Grateful Script. Welcome back to Grateful Scripts, and I am your host, Lynn Paulson. Today, we're going to dive into a little bit of topic that is, I don't know, I just don't think it gets enough coverage, especially in the forefront of social media, and that is going to be around a little bit of postpartum. So buckle up, moms, because we're kind of talking about that, and it's a little bit of one of those harder topics to discuss. So here is your warning. Um, Today we have Madison Nolan, who is one of my best friends, and she, we've worked together in the hotel. We survived COVID pregnancy together. We currently work together and share an office. So to say we spend a lot of time together is probably an understatement. But Madison, feel free to go ahead and kind of introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about you. So we are some of the most fun people you will ever work with. Ask anybody that has worked with us. Literally anyone. Except for our husbands who think we're boring. Yeah, it's okay. When we were writing the about you, they they Jason basically said we're the most boring people he's ever met. But I think being in bed by nine is called self-care. So there you go. And I support that wholeheartedly. Um, But I uh, am a mom to a three-year-old girl um, who really has taken the whole three-nager thing to heart and seriously. So we're having the best time. And we're not going to bash your sweet Harper on this (laughs) podcast. This is not a come for Harper podcast. She has her moments, you know, some days we're doing great. Some days she is not very nice. It's fine. Yeah. Um, And then I have another little girl on the way due in March. So we are gearing up for all the hormones and my husband is so excited to just have a house full of girls. Um, when I'm not with Harper or my husband, I go to cycle bar. I like to read, shop, go to concerts, you know, all the fun things, hang out with my like seven friends, maybe. (laughs) I don't know if they all claim me, but I'll say there's seven of them at least. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, and we got, we got to spend a lot of time together during COVID, which was probably not ideal. Um, but we were both pregnant during COVID together. So we found out literally within days, I think, of each other, or we just kept really good secrets until days between each other. But we sat back to back and kind of spun around in our cool office wheelie chairs and we're like, hey, I'm pregnant. It's like, oh, hey, cool. Me too. And then the world shut down. Um, So that was really great. Um, But kind of before that, and then even before I knew you, tell me kind of where your dream of motherhood began. So I grew up with a big family. I come from a blended family. So I am one of seven. Um, 
on my mom's side, I kind of fall in the upper middle category. And on my dad's side, I'm the oldest. Um, I remember at one point, my dad, there was three of us on my dad's side. I'm the oldest. He described me as the nurturing, mothering one. Like I'm the one that cares about everybody's feelings and all of those things. Um, So it's always kind of been one of those things like, oh, yeah, one day I'll have kids. It's fine. Um, Got married. Uh, Jared, my husband, and I, we knew we wanted a family. uh, But we knew we wanted to wait, you know, figure out married life first. Wait at least a year, which that's that was great. Um, Then right after we got married, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. So we knew it may not be the easiest journey for us, but we still knew we wanted to do it. Um, And luckily we were one of those people that we got pregnant naturally on like our first try and had a fairly, you know, for what was my normal, an easy pregnancy, the first go around. So. Okay. When she says easy, like (laughs) let's paint a picture. I am vomiting to my death. I am like, you're lucky if I show up to take a shower and then go to work. Madison's hair is like perfectly curled with like a dress and heels and she got the glow and I did not. So don't let her downplay her easy pregnancy because it no is hogwash. We got our payback the second time around. (laughs) So her first pregnancy, I was like, this, words I don't say because I claim this to be a clean podcast, is over here (laughs) with her shiny hair and her fabulous, like, I don't even want to hear it. But as far as the world shutting down, obviously that was not what either of us expected. So what was kind of your... Instagram versus reality dream of pregnancy when you can't do anything and we're like literally afraid to breathe air. So I found out I was pregnant like literally a week before they shut everything down. Like I remember we celebrated my husband's birthday. Then a week later I took a pregnancy test and it was positive and then the world shut down and I was like, Oh, Okay, cool. Super casual. This is, wonder what's going to happen, but it was a casual, oh, everything will be fine in like two weeks. Like, we're going to shut down. It was not. It was not fine. Bounce back and celebrate and have the best time. So what I had experienced previously with like, I had uh, some of my siblings that had babies. I had friends who already had babies. So it's kind of like seeing their pregnancy announcement pictures, gender reveal parties, baby showers. All that's what I expected. Like, oh, this is just a big nine, ten month celebration. And I quickly realized this was not going to be a nine to ten month celebration. We were going to sit at home. to celebrate on zoom like everybody's dream yeah so um to announce that we were pregnant uh was you know a casual phone call to our families being like hey not sure when we're gonna see you again 
but we might have a baby with us. I might be pregnant, but congratulations, you're going to be a grandparent or, you know, a great grandparent. Um, so the only like really good thing was it gave people something to look forward to. Like I had family group chats where people were like, oh, how was your doctor's appointment today? Like, how are things like everybody was kind of from the beginning. This baby was the joy in such a dark time. She is still my joy. So let's put that into the (laughs) interwebs and into the universe because she is still my joy. So much joy. But so much sex. (laughs) Well, and I think that we talked a little bit too about, you know, we did the pregnancy during COVID thing and how that joy matters because it's incredibly isolating because we were kind of on our own. It's like us and the seven other people that didn't get fired from the hotel. So we all got to hang out, but there was no other, like, I felt like we didn't have any more human contact outside of like each other. Yeah. Like those seven to eight people in that building, they, uh, whether they wanted to or not, they were the best friends. Like, yeah, yeah, we, we had to, we formed week, the bond. We had each other. Well, like, <laughs> and we weren't allowed to go to like outside to breathe the air, like anywhere within six feet of other people. And we're deep cleaning the hotel and we're doing all these things, but we're like oddly considered essential employees when we are so not, nor are we equipped to battle a pandemic of viruses like the eight of us running this giant corporation. Um, But yeah, no, they were like, hey, this building's going to stay open and you're going to be essential. So it's like, cool, great. I love to breathe in all of the traveler's air and also be pregnant, Um, which looking back on it, I'm like, we were I don't know if it was just like ignorance is bliss or I think maybe just naive for me, but had I thought more about it, I'd probably been like, no, I'm good. Like you can send me to the house. I had multiple days where I was like, why am I here? Yeah. I remember somebody coming up behind me and I was playing a game on my phone. They're like, what are you doing? And I was like, my work here is done. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's literally nothing to do because nobody is traveling. Everybody's panicked. If they are traveling, they think COVID has like made a little family of germs in their room and they're freaking out regardless. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but moving on, we go through motherhood and then or we go through pregnancy and then basically we get to the one group that's coming to the hotel and you're like, Hey, I'd like to go into labor now and abandon mm-hmm. all the rest mm-hmm. of my responsibilities. Um, yes. So tell me a little bit about your labor experience and then kind of how that looked a little bit different for you. So when looking back and reflecting on it, like there was signs that it was coming. I just didn't know that those were signs. Um, so the day that my water broke, I remember it It had been a really long Monday. Like, for whatever reason, I had started, like, nesting at work, making lists, making how to do certain things. Like, if I knew if I was not there, like, we needed instructions to get things done because this was the one huge group that had a lot of specifics in the accounting department. So. Uh, that was the longest day I had worked in a long time. I remember getting home like six, seven o'clock. 
and not feeling good. Like I was just like this, I worked way too hard today. Like I'm exhausted. I just want to go to bed. I don't even really want to eat. Like I started getting nauseous again. And then finally we go to bed. It was about nine o'clock. And I was like, Oh, what just happened? Like, did my water break or what, what's happening? So I really wasn't sure. Called my doctor and he's like, well, are you having contractions? I was like, no, I don't think so. And he said, well, the only way to find out is to go to the hospital. Me being me, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be that person that goes to the hospital, not knowing if they're really in labor just to get sent home. Granted, I only live 10 minutes from the hospital I was delivering at. So this mindset in my brain was acceptable. Um, Then as the night progressed, I couldn't sleep. I was Googling like, how long can you go after your water breaks? You know, imagining all the horrible things that could happen. So finally I woke Jared up at about three and I was like, can we just go to the hospital so they can tell me I'm fine and I can go to sleep? I got a lot of stuff. I like how you avoided the doctor's request and chose to Google it afterwards <laughs> is my particular part where it's like, hey, you know, this qualified friend who delivers babies, he mm-hmm. said something, but I'm going to fact check this man on the Google interwebs. Okay. I just, yeah. I want to point that out, but keep going. Yeah. So we get to the hospital. He drops me off at the front door and it's like, I'm going to go park. Should I bring the stuff up? I was like, no, no, they're going to send me home for sure. And I get up and I'm like joking with the receptionist guy who's like, where's your mask? And I'm like, oh, yep, forgot that in my bag. But can you give me another one? Uh, And I was like, so how many people come in here not knowing for sure if their water breaks? Ha ha. And he's like, oh, so many, so many do this. And I'm like, you're just trying to make me feel better. That's fine. And so sure enough, he registers me. I go back and. They check and they're like, oh, yep, that water's broken. And I was like, cool. So can I go home and I'll come back when I start feeling some things? You know, first time mama, whatever. They were like, oh, no, ma'am. You are here for the long haul. So they plug me up to all the monitors. They're like, oh, you don't feel what's happening? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, your contractions are two minutes apart. And I was like, if this is contractions, this is going to be great. Like, this is, I don't understand what people are so, like, this hurts. And oh, we did not point, have the same contractions because I thought with Colton I was going to literally die, but keep going. Well, so that's when Jared looks at me and he's like, you told me you weren't having contractions. And I was like, I can't feel them. So he was not particularly happy with me because he was like, this is serious and you did not take it seriously. So, you know, we're casually laying there. Now it's election day. Election day 2020. COVID. It's the best, you know, such a great day. There's a lot of things happening. Yes. <laughs> so we progress. You know, labor does get worse. It. I did understand what the people talked about. It was not a good time. Um, so... I went in thinking I had this great open mind for labor. Like, oh, if we push, we push. If we end up having to have a C-section, we have to have a C-section. Like, whatever gets my baby here and healthy and good and all the things. So, I push for a couple hours. And she's not 
making any more progress. Doctor comes up and he's like, yeah, she's, she's not coming out. Like, but let's, let's try for a little bit longer. Well, then all of a sudden I spike a fever and they're like, oh, yep. Nope. Emergency time. We're getting her out. We have to do a C-section. So at that point I've been up all night, casually, you know, going through labor, pushing, all the things. So I'm now distraught. And this was this is now not the plan. We are no longer open minded. We are no, upset. we are so we are so close to minded. We are actually identifying as unwell at this point. Yeah. We are unwell and we did not have a choice anymore. So I remember then the anesthesiologist coming in, like giving me, I guess, the good stuff because the epidural, I guess, didn't take on one side, so I still felt a little bit, but now, after he came in that's that second time, we were not feeling a thing. But also, it was incredibly scary. Like, it was, I was freezing all of a sudden, like shaking. Literally, I was like, this is it. I'm going to die. Like, they're going to get this baby out and I'm done. So, we're prepped for the C-section. We go back there. Start, I guess, doing what they're doing. I'm just, you know laying there all exposed on a bed and they get her out. Jared brings her over. He's holding her. We get the picture. The anesthesiologist takes the picture and then she's gone. They're like, Oh, we need to, she needs to go to the NICU to be evaluated because she's not breathing properly. It. I remember that, but at the same time, I think I was kind of like blacking out a little bit because I remember nothing after her and Jared left. I woke up in recovery and that was that. I woke up in recovery with no baby in the room. And I was like, what, what's happened? And nobody's really given me any answers. Jared's just like, she's having breathing difficulties. And God love him. He didn't really know what was, he didn't really know what was going on either. He was just trying to be there for me when I got up and, He's like, they're taking care of her. So I came back to be with you, all this stuff. So they moved me to the postpartum section and I still haven't seen her. Like, I don't even know what my baby looks like at this point. Like somebody, is there a picture? Like, yeah. Well, and I'm sure that gives you a lot of big emotions because nothing has gone according to plan. And now you don't even get to reap the reward of all the hard work because she's, She's getting care elsewhere, so. So, finally, they get me transferred, and basically, it's like 11 o'clock at night now. I had her around four. So, you know, that's a decent stretch of time. And I was like, can I just go see her? And they're like, well, you can't hold her, and you can't touch her. And I'm like, but I can look at her. I can know that she's like a real, she's real. Yeah. So, they they didn't really prep me for what was what was happening to her in the NICU either. So, you know, they take me, they wheel me down there, and she's just hooked up to all these monitors, has oxygen, all of these things. And I'm just like, what did I do wrong? Like, is this my fault? Because that's automatically where I went was, I waited too long to go to the hospital. If I would have just come when I thought things happened, like things could have been different, this, that, and the other. 
So we automatically went to the blame game. And well, it expects your anxiety too. Like it makes everything you're already, your hormones know things Mm -hmm. have happened and you have heightened sense of everything around you. And so this is just like an additional layer of, you know, worry that you, that wasn't built into the plan. Well, and then my mind just flashed to, oh, they stress the importance of skin to skin within the first certain amount of time. Like she's not going to know that I'm her mom. Like all of these things, like I'm not going to be able to breastfeed because my body doesn't know I've had the, like all of these things just like, okay, I haven't touched her. So now all these things are automatically going to go wrong. So that was labor. And then it was honestly, I think it was about 24 hours after she was born that she did finally get to come off the oxygen. She got to come to our room. Like she was good. Are you still there? Ah! So we are 24 hours after labor. And finally, I'm just like, so can I have my baby now? Like, so she got cleared from everything in the NICU. We finally got her in our room things you know we were c-section so we were there for three days yeah. i got there tuesday morning friday um, and while we were in the hospital like everything seemed great like i was good she was good jared's good like you know we had the hospital to support us for all the things and then we went home so I will say it was very nice to not have visitors in the hospital. I don't know what it would have been like to have them because they weren't allowed regardless of if we wanted them or not. But I can't imagine becoming a new parent and having people in and out besides like the hospital staff and everything while you're trying to figure out breastfeeding and, you know, all the other fun stuff that happens after you have a baby, regardless of a C-section or not. Um, Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. You have to host everyone around you while you're, one, exposed, probably healing, whether you do it natural or C-section, and people are trying to take pictures and everything else, and it's just Mm -hmm. very overstimulating. So I was kind of glad for him specifically that it was just my husband who was able to come in and be with me. Yeah. So I'm not even sure what hospital policies are for the second time around, but I have said, like, we're doing that again. Like, we're going to go in, have the baby do all the things we have to do at the hospital. I don't like even Harper. I don't want her in the hospital. Like as I don't want to be away from her that long, but she's not going to understand what all is happening. And I, you know, my child, I don't think she would do well meeting a sister in a hospital environment. Like, 
Yeah, so, we'll just save that at home. Yeah, so I am big on the advocating for um, not having visitors in the hospital. Uh, then when we get home is when things kind of changed. Um, I had a lot of external factors play into how my postpartum journey came to, I don't know the right word to say. Yeah, like how it escalated, like how your hormones are feeling, how you're feeling. These are like additional layers of stress that aren't part of the plan, but also you're trying to navigate them and be a new mom. Yeah, so I'm very much a planning person. So, you know, from labor, like nothing has gone to plan. Um, So naturally, when I get home, things are also going downhill very fast um, with a lot of family things that happen. So COVID is ramping up again. So I'm already paranoid that if anybody does come to visit us, they're going to give my brand new baby COVID um, or the flu or RSV or something to land us back in the hospital. Um, Mm -hmm. So less than a week from being home, we got the news that my cousin passes away from cancer in Chicago. Um, So I got to deal with that and not being able to be there with my family or grieve really like everything just happened. Um, Yeah, you don't have time to grieve. You have to keep a newborn alive. Um, And then my brother got diagnosed with cancer that same week, too. So that was clear. Cancer is never part of anybody's plan. But that was just another kind of wrench thrown in the, okay, that isolates my mom's family because now they need to deal with that. Like we're all just not sure what to do at this point besides isolate from each other. Well, yeah. And we are pro team Lisa, so we can't have mom to help with newborn, which is what I feel like most people lean on is, you know, you're when you're close with your mom, like you can have her assist with your kids and not only, is everyone afraid to go outside? But now she has multiple emotions going on. And so she has to be careful for cancer germs, COVID germs, baby germs. Heck, we should have just put Lisa in like a full hazmat suit. Like there is a lot going on here. So much happening. And at that point too, like I am not a person to talk about my emotions. So the one person that I may talk to would have been my mom. and so. I'm holding all of that in, you know, just casually crying daily, like trying to figure out being a new mom, but and Jared's trying to figure out how to be a new dad. And like, we're just trying to figure it out, but neither of us has like a support person because we can't be that for each other at this point. So then we, my My dad actually comes and visits us and things are okay. Like 
I'm like, yeah, visitors are great, but please don't breathe. Yeah, or touch anything. (laughs) Which, and they understood they were, I don't want to say respectful, but like they were also very cautious. Because nobody wants to be the person to give the baby COVID. Like, yeah. Or any of the other germs. Because they had all been around my Chicago family. So, uh, but I was like, it's nice to have people that are not just the three of us that had been together. Um, so they were essentially like my mom saw Harper when we got home from the hospital, but like she was pretty much like, I gotta go. Cause she had been staying with blaze. Um, and that was cause she was just, she came on a whim because, you know, we went into labor. Suddenly there was no plan. We just, somebody's got to come watch place. Our dog. So, Blaze is the dog. Yeah. I was like, we yeah, might want to yeah. preface who we're leaving. It's we're leaving the, the dog. dog. Um, so pretty much as soon as we got home, she was like, love you guys. If you need anything, let me know. She was out. Um, a few weeks later is when my dad came. So we were not settled by any means, but it was still nice to have people around. And then Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. So, you know, I was pumped, but also knew we weren't going to go anywhere. So we obviously weren't going to take our brand new baby around. Family, big gatherings, things of that nature. So that is when my in-laws came to town. And that was kind of the point where I was something with me was not right. So I was extra paranoid that they were going to bring something to expose Harper to being sick because his mom had still been working and they had been around family that had still been working. So it was just me freaking out. Yeah. And at that point, we don't know anything about COVID. So we don't know. The rules are made up every single day to something different. So you have all of these changes going on and you don't know what to believe. Like if somebody breathes, are we all going to die? But but if they breathe six feet away, we might not die. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a little bit of a balance. And it was when they came, I realized there was a lot of separation anxiety on my end. So, I mean, up until they came, we didn't have anybody at our house other than me, really, me and Jared essentially holding the baby. And I remember his, it was his mom or his sister was holding her. And I just like started hyperventilating. Like, I, I can't do this. I need her back. Like, I, I need you to give her back to me so that I know everything's okay. We were what other, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing terrible was happening. Well, no. what other like triggers did you have during that time as far as kind of just the postpartum and when you overall kind of recognized it? Um, so I realized fast, like if she was crying, like I had to pick her, like I put a lot of pressure on myself that I would, well, 
I take that back. From the very beginning, like I said, she brought joy to the whole entire family since the moment we had uh, found out about her. Up until she was the only joy I felt I had when all of these other terrible things were happening. So essentially, like, if I wasn't holding her, I didn't necessarily have that joy that I was counting on. And You put a lot of pressure on Baby Harper to show out. I did. I did. And, like, looking back, I'm like, she has no idea how much, like, how much her timing meant. Yeah. And so I think that also played into the huge separation anxiety pool that I was like, if I don't have her, I can't be happy. If I am not physically touching her, I am not happy. How's that going for you now? You know, um, (laughs) (laughs) if sometimes now you're like, if you would like to go play with something, I would be more than swell. Um, now I get a lot of joy when she actually picks daddy over mama. So (laughs) that's where we're at. (laughs) We have found joy in other things. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, But so essentially around Thanksgiving, I was like, yeah, something is, something is not right. Like I should not be this reliant on just touching her like yeah so like did you what was like your first thought did you go to like your ob or did you i envision you like still laying down on google like what what was the vibe of you being like okay i recognize that something's wrong kind of what what do i do now so the recognition might have been there but it was one of those things that i was just like Maybe I'm just a little bit crazy. Like, well, we all are. <laughs> like, this will go away. I didn't think that I needed help. Like, I didn't recognize out loud to anybody else that I felt like something might be wrong. Um, and at that point, like, I hadn't really thought about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, nothing like that. Um, well, it's not it talked about. Well, it really wasn't until I was talking to my brother that was overseas deployed. You know, let's add that into the mix. And he mentioned postpartum depression. He's like, this is a, like, it's serious. I've heard about it. Be sure you're watching for signs of it. Like, he was very concerned. And so that's when I started thinking about it. I was like, maybe this is more than just, I'm I'm sad and anxious and can't stand the thought of being away from my child. Like, I remember reaching a point, we were about eight eight weeks in, and the witching hour had started that nobody talks about. Like. Yeah, it doesn't exactly and, come in, like, the best thing about pregnancy book off the Amazons. No. no. So I remember there was one night. She was screaming and crying. I was crying. Like, and I round the corner and Jared's in the living room, just, you know, chilling. He's 
He's like, nothing's Poor wrong. Poor Jared. He does. He he's just trying to live his life. Shout out to Jared, who's just trying to be in peace, and he doesn't know that Hiroshima is about to just land in his lap. Um. So unfortunately for him, that's when I kind of I lost it. I. I started screaming and crying at him. I was like, you need to come take her. I can't do this. I I don't know what else to do. Like, I just, I need you to do something. I don't know what you're going to do either, but you need to do something. But I'm we need you to figure mind. it out now. Thank you so much. Yes. Like, like you know what, you know what to do. I do not, like... <laughs> something um and at that point when I like kind of snapped that's when I was like okay I need I need to talk to somebody about this because now we were at the point where uh I never had a thought that like I was gonna hurt myself in any kind of way nothing got that serious but um I was at the point where I was like he can do this better than me, so I I don't need to be here. There was no indicators that he could do this better than me, but I had it in my mind like they would be better if I was not here. Yeah. So that was kind of it was either right before or right after my like postpartum appointment, and that's when I which told is a freaking joke. P.S. Like yeah, let's fill like, out this piece of paper, and as long as you put all is good. That definitely means you are so good. Well, even if you don't say like, because I had put online like where it asks like, have you had thoughts of hurting yourself or your baby? I said yes. And still. And they probably didn't read it. Yeah, they don't. It's such a routine now that it's, it's silly. So it was kind of no help. It was just me knowing and recognizing like what was triggering me, like what was making me have these thoughts, what was making what, what else was happening around me that I could possibly blame this on. Like it's not postpartum depression. It's seasonal depression. Like it was December. It was cold. It was, we were stuck in the house. It's not because I just had a baby. Like, Well, as far as like post, yeah, like as far as postpartum goes, I mean, how looking back on it, how do you think that someone can advocate for themselves when they recognize this emotion? It's like, I think we all have a friend, like I remember with Colton, it was Cortland, who was the previous episode who reached out that was like, um, I'm just going to cut the, you know what? And she doesn't swear. So I don't remember what she said, but she was like, I'm just going to cut it. Like you have postpartum. I need you to pull that and recognize that and go back because we have the same OB. Like, go back to her and tell her. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, you are 200% correct. Like, yep, sure, didn't recognize that. But I think the quicker that we can help each other recognize it, like, what would you say as far as somebody advocating for themselves, kind of what they should reach out to or do? I would say first, you know yourself better than anything, anybody, really. And for me, I know I have seasonal depression. Like, 
I know it's a real thing for me. Um, so that's at least with this second pregnancy, I'm having a baby in the spring. So, you know, I'm really hoping that if PPD rears its ugly head again, I'll be able, I won't play the blame game. Like if you're depressed, you're depressed. It doesn't matter if it's seasonal. It doesn't matter if you're just sad. Like you, you know, something's not right. Um, so if your doctor's not listening to you, find, find another doctor who will, um, Maybe it's going to be the pediatrician if you are going through having a new baby. Talk to the pediatrician because they also ask you those questions. And I know at least with Harper's pediatrician, they were a lot more like tender than my OB. Like they took the time to listen to me, not just, okay, I'm here to look at your baby and leave. Um. Rely on your spouse. I did a lot of pushing Jared out and not not asking him for help and assuming he should just know what to do and recognize things for me instead of me asking, like, I need you. And I think that was hard for him, too, was he like, I put on this front that I had it all together. And he was like, you don't you don't need me. So why am I going to try to help? So in having friends that you can ask questions to and kind of rely a little bit on, uh, I know for me, that person, especially like in the middle of the night, that was you because we were both up. <laughs> Wide awake. Not sleeping. So it was nice to have other mom friends kind of going through the same thing being like hey so um is this normal like your friends aren't gonna sit there and be like oh yeah girl you're for sure crazy like good luck with that they're gonna give you good resources and be like you know what I'm not qualified but maybe you should talk to like a therapist or I would have drug you by your toes to the therapist if I would have thought that you wouldn't have beat the crap out of me. Like I would have told you and grabbed you by your ponytail and yeeted you to the therapist just so you could have that sense of peace and not feel blame or shame or this didn't go this way or this didn't go that way. Luckily, we made it there on our own. We went full circle, but it did take some time. You did kind of drag me to therapy, though. At a different point in time, but that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't listen to me the first time, so I figured the second time I had a better shot. <laughs> well, and that's what the second time, because it was before I was pregnant, I asked her for tools. I was like, look, this is what happened the first time. I'm very concerned with it the second time. So, I mean, she gave me tools and resources and was like, I can still be your therapist if you feel like you need me postpartum. So, and like, you've just got to find those people. Sometimes it's, you just need somebody to listen to you to feel a little bit less trapped in your own mind and sadness and getting it out of your system. Yes. No, absolutely. And one of the things I think you and I have talked about too is like the, you have to realize that your feelings are valid. 
Like Mm -hmm. don't discredit them. Don't let anybody else discredit them. Like whatever you're feeling is a real raw emotion. So pushing that aside doesn't make it easier. So once you, you, you have to recognize that everything that you're feeling, even if it's on the most ridiculous, intense level, like four minutes before we started this podcast, I Madison was like, hey, how how are you? And I was like, everything in my life is swimmingly well, except for I cried yesterday just because of the fact of I am hormonal and I cried. Nothing's wrong. It just happened. And my husband thinks I'm insane and that's okay. But, you know, sometimes you just need a good cry for no reason. Like, it's a valid feeling. Is the world coming down around me? Absolutely not. And I knew that nothing was wrong. And I said, there's literally nothing wrong. I have no idea why I'm crying. I mean, it's just part of recognizing emotion and be able being able to process it and articulate it in a way that is healthy to expose it from your brain and speak it out. And not waiting for it to boil over and you just explode on the first person who looks like they're having a better day than you are. Oh, shout out to Jared Nolan. God love him. <laughs> Buddy, I'm with you. I support you. Um, You're doing great. I just want you to know you're doing great. Um, But kind of, if he listens to this, yeah, we're here for you, Jared. I can't, I can't wait to do this again. Yeah, he's he's elated. Um, Well, I did laugh because I was going to say, is there any other suggestions? But you had said, you know, let's check back in after baby number two is born and and see if you follow your own advice. And I will update the people. So you you just know that's coming. Part two coming after March. TV. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's just a, it's a topic that nobody talks about. They don't talk about how real it is. Um, I appreciate you even being open and vulnerable because emotions aren't your uh, forte, I will say. Um, and so mm-hmm. coming and talking about all of those things, mm-hmm. it's, it's easier to identify once you've been through it, but a lot of people just don't identify it or they are isolated and they feel that it makes them crazy or alone and nobody's going to understand. So I, I am, am those people. Like, I, I don't process my feelings. I don't, I've gotten much better. Hashtag therapy. You've gotten so much better. Yeah. <laughs> so much better. I mean, yeah. so I know a lot of people are like that. So being able to share people my story that you are you are allowed to process your feelings. It's not shame it's not shameful. It's not bad. It's it's real. And so many more people yeah. are going through it than you can ever realize no matter what kind of front they're putting on on a daily basis. Yeah, and don't join any mom groups cuz they're the no, worst. They that, tell you everything is perfect and they're a bold-faced lie. Well, Madison, yeah. thank you so much for coming, telling our experience. Give us a come back and re shout out after Jared listens to the episode because the people will want to know. But thank you so much. We appreciate you and we will chat soon. All right. Bye.